Good evening, women and girls. So nice to see everyone here tonight. What a special evening for us to be gathering on the evening of Chav Kislev, Rosh Hashanah of Hasidus. And here we are to continue spreading the light of what Hasidus is all about. And as we know, the Baal Shem Tov was told that Mashiach will come. So here we are tonight gathered, and I'm honored to be here with Mrs. Rivka Slanim, and Mrs. Sarah Raskin, as we will embark on a journey of a mindset, of adopting a mindset of Mashiach, living a Mashiach life in every single thing that we do. And we are all very, very fortunate that there is a wonderful organization called the Tut Alt Campaign through the Mashiach Office at 3302, who has established and has been encouraging all of us to learn and to grow and to embark on this journey of making Mashiach a reality. Tut we all heard this in the Rebbe, and we have an obligation and we have an achrayas to make it happen. Yesterday, we all learned in the introduction of the Hayam Yayim and Yutes Kislev, where the Rebbe writes in the introduction of the Hayam Yayim, where he says, we have to all, all Hasidim, we all have to think to ourselves, what have we done? What have we done to ease the birth pains of Mashiach? And to be zaycha, that each and every one of us should be there with the coming of Mashiach Tzitkenu. So tonight, we're going to learn a little bit more about this incredible initiative by the Tzitalt campaign. And we're encouraging all women and girls, men, women, and children to join this campaign, to learn, to study, to grow, and to make Mashiach a reality, to bring Mashiach. There are many ways that we can do this. And tonight we'll be joined by Rivka Slanim and by Sarah Raskin, and they will help us and give us insight and suggestions and encouragement and inspiration of how we can do this in our day-to-day -day lives. And there's many things that the Tut Alts office is, in, um, is offering. And you can see in the chat box, we're going to put a link to um, a link where you can register your family, your schools, your communities. It is tutouts.com and they provide learning materials and educational materials that you can share, as I said, with your family, with your friends, with the communities, with your schools. Make sure to register, be a part of this, be a part of this incredible initiative and we will bring Mashiach. 
the content that is being prepared and that has been prepared by the Tutal's office from the Mashiach office at 3302, by Sichos in English and by JLI, they've collaborated and they put together a wonderful curriculum, which will span from now, until Yud Aleph Nissen, the Rebbe's 120th birthday. And we are encouraging everyone to use these time, use these months to set up learning groups with your family, with your friends, with your acquaintances, with your communities, with your schools, and to study the Chaimer, to study the content that has been prepared for us in a way that it'll really lift us all up and show us how we can live with Mashiach and we will live with Mashiach every single day. There's another thing that you can do to get involved and that is to encourage others um, again, it is in the chat box where you can actually join different WhatsApp groups. Where you can help spread the message and share this Tut Alts campaign with all those that you know. And with that, I will turn to Mrs. Raskin, actually to Mrs. Slanim, to Rifki Slanim. And Rifki and Sarah, we're hoping that tonight we can all gain some inspiration and learning and thoughts and ideas and suggestions of how we can all live with this mindset of Mashiach on a moment-to-moment -moment basis. So Rifki, if you can help us out here, um, and if you can share with us, what does living Mashiach mean to you? First of all, Gutiyamtiv one and all, Gutiyamtiv Dini, Sarah, and all of our sisters and friends online. Um, Sarah and I promised we were going to behave, we weren't going to embarrass our family and fight in public. But then I realized that we're all families. So I don't know, maybe we will be able to argue and bicker a little. Um, I've been thinking about this question. I've really been thinking about what is different about tonight from all the other scores of programs we've already gathered for on this topic even, and the learning that we've been doing and the Miftzayim and all of the projects and all of the overtures, we haven't exactly been sitting on our hands. So what's different about tonight? From my perspective, um, tonight, Sarah and I just decided we were going to be very raw and very honest and very personal and just concretize this. So uh, please be prepared for, for that kind of approach. This is really, we're not gonna be spouting sikhs at you. We're just gonna be um, really sharing, um, you know, uh, a flow of consciousness about what this could mean. So if you ask me what it means to live with a Mashiach mindset, to me, it means more than anything else to live with a singular focus to have tunnel vision, to be completely in the zone and impervious, completely impervious to any distraction. And if you're listening to this and you're saying, okay, yeah, right, that sounds very nice, but it's, it's difficult, it's even impossible, I would completely agree with you. And at the same time, I would submit, even argue, that we women especially have precedent for this in our lives. Um, because Chazal often spoke about Hevle Mashiach, the birth pains of Mashiach. And it has always struck me how apt a metaphor that is. Because if I'm going to be honest, the only time that I can remember being truly, singularly, 
absorbed to the absolute exclusion of all else was during labor and delivery and the time immediately leading up to it. So if you think about that experience, it all begins first and foremost with absorbing the fact of the imminent arrival of the baby, understanding the the non-negotiable nature of that fact and anticipating it coming to fruition. So if I'm going to concretize this further, I would say that for me personally, with most of our children, I was, at least by the doctor's reckoning, overdue, woefully overdue. And uh, we are all overdue, so, so incredibly woefully overdue that already in the Gemara it says, kalu kala kitzim, that all of the due dates have come and gone. And more recently, the Rebbe, our midwife, definitively told us Mashiach is here, that the baby is just about to crown that you can see it. But it's easy for the laboring woman to fall into fatigue, especially with a very long labor like this one has been. But here's the thing. Would any woman who's overdue conclude that the baby is not coming? With every passing minute, hour, and day, the birth just becomes that much more imminent. And while at times, especially during labor, she may be tempted to just say, I'm tired, just take me home. It's not really an option. So what does it mean to be living Mashiachtik? First of all, to be clear-eyed about what era we are in. To actually embrace that fact, not as something theoretical or abstruse, but as a fact. No, not a fact, rather the fact around which all else revolves. And that's why it's so important for us to learn the specific sikhs that the office has prepared for us. Because we have to get into that mindset in a very, very clear way. And I remember that when I became successfully, successively overdue, all I worried about before, before cell phones was how I would reach my husband if he was out and I went into labor. And because I was always overdue, we couldn't just stop all of our activities. Everything had to go forward. But of course, you know, we also have to think about who would watch the kids. And every single day was a new plan, but it all revolved around this fact that this is going to happen. So every single day, what's the plan? What do we do with our events, et cetera, et cetera. So every breath, every moment, every twinge, every overture, it all revolved around this. It was impossible really to be distracted for more than a moment by anything else. And of course, once labor begins, and I would say that we are in the definite throes of labor and we've passed transition, everything else becomes background noise and eventually it fades and you don't hear it at all. In fact, eventually there's nothing else but the fact of you and your baby that you're trying to bring into the world. And it all becomes very circumscribed and very uber focused. So even if you're distracted somehow at some point in the process, it's all momentary and it becomes more and more and more impossible as the labor strengthens and quickens to be distracted. There's just the labor, just the pain, just the anticipated joy and wonder. So in summation, I would say, Golos is about fragmentation, about plurality, about tension, about conflict, about multiplicity, about multifariousness, about confusion. 
And Geula is about a crystal clear convergence on one and only entity, one and only one truth. When our dear uncle, Rabbi Nassim Garari, approached my husband and I about moving to Binghamton, New York on Schlichus, almost 36 years ago, he explicitly told us that he did not think we would be there for more than a year or two at most because Mashiach was coming at at. So first and foremost, it means getting into the headspace, but not through lip service, getting into that headspace for real. And we're going to talk about what that actually looks like. Actually, we're going to get up close and personal or down and dirty as this dialogue, as this Fabrengen progresses. Thank you. That is actually the perfect analogy, especially speaking to women. <laughs> and we can all, and I think one of the things you mentioned, Rifki, is that idea, right? When we know that those last few seconds are happening and then when it does, it's like the joy is something that is insurmountable. And we know, because we've been promised and we've been told and constantly, constantly by, I mean, by our and for generation and generations that Mashiach, it's, it's the real deal. And it'll be something so incredibly joyous and wonderful. And as mothers, we know what that feels like. So we should just see it with the coming of Mashiach. So thank you. And I, what a great point. And, and that is really, I think, the way to live. You were going down to Binghamton for a year or two. And it's, it, this is it. We're coming, we're coming to the end. Thank you. Sara, how are you this evening? Good nice evening. You. If you want to know how I am, I said I should be a little bit more Meichendick. My hands are nervous. I'm little, I said, this is, this is, I'm in like, you know, gullus mode. I have to change, <laughs> change over. Okay, well, you and have a couple I'm minutes. not, we're, I just want to make a disclaimer. We're both not experts on the process. Even if you had seven or eight children or 10 children or 12 children, every, um, every uh, birth is a new experience. Um, so Rifki is, uh, you know, Rifki is giving a wonderful explanation, but we're, we're living it. So we now have to say this experience is going to be uh, the, the new experience and the greatest experience. And it's, yeah. It so has to happen. It has to happen. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Literally when those two, when it finally happens, if I can just share a, cute, a little incident where we realize, like we push it. See, I remember with one of my children when I didn't have an epidural my one child that I didn't. And I remember that pain was so, so, so intense. And then that was it in one moment, in one moment, a beautiful baby was born. And this, this is it. We know it's gonna be that one moment. Now as women, that's a perfect analogy. I mean, I think the analogy that's given with COVID in one second, how the world changed. We know there's a haftacha and it's happening. All right, so Sarah, let's hear from you a little bit. If you can share with us, um, there's a Geula mindset and a Gullus mindset, correct? Can you share with us a little bit of the difference between it and also the difference between the pre-Hasidic mindset and the, the Hasidic mindset in, in this whole process? So again, um, just a thought or maybe a story that I read recently that really, you know, um, help me, helps me understand that different mindset is in the time of in Russia, when there was a transition where it was the first time that the government established um, the railroad trains. And it was, a, it was a revolution. It was something so, so new. And there were different 
um, cities that were contemplating, should we send our merchandise via railroad or should we continue through our horse and buggy? And uh, there were the bigger cities that had bigger minds and they said, oh, this is going to be, this is, our business will boom. Everything is gonna uh, reach the destination so much faster. And they adopted this new method called Via Railroad and they were so excited and their business was booming. There were the small little towns that couldn't contemplate even putting merchandise on a, on a train. What does that mean? And they continued with the horse and buggy. And so their business was slower versus those bigger cities with bigger minds that were booming, that were, um, became very, very wealthy. A few of these merchants that were using this new method of transportation were very, very thankful to the czar. And they felt that it's only right that they should present their Thanksgiving and come in person and say how thankful they are that their business has expanded so tremendously. And so when they arrived and they had a private audience, the czar asked them, um, this is all really nice and I'm so happy that you're using this opportunity, but how did you arrive? And they said, well, with our horse and buggy. And so he said, that's the problem. Yes, you're sending your merchandise on a railroad, but you still haven't changed your mindset. You have to, the, the horse and buggy, that was for yesterday. <laughs> let's, uh, let's start using a different means. So the mindset, Golas and Geula, um, the question, pre-Hasidus, Hasidus, we can just look at history, what has happened in the world. Um, pre-Hasidus, people were just content, learning, studying, minding their own business, in walks in a revolution, a revolution that, that the Baal Shem Tov um, brought to our, uh, you know, to our um, thought about the, the famous, uh, the famous muscle with the bletala, that the way that the little leaf turns, and if it turns this way or that way, everything's ashkocha practice. Revolutionary ideas coming into marketplaces, asking people how are they, how they are, and waiting for their response to say Baruch Hashem. Again, they thought this is a madman. What what does he want from us? We we know Tyra, we know Avoida. This is a whole new revolution. And then with the Alter Rebbe, how the Alter Rebbe brought. Took, it took him 20 years, 20 years to finally bring such an important, such the, uh, a mind-blowing um, revolutionary safer into print and into distribution and into making it possible that we can uh, uh, understand Abishter, understand our goal, understand what we're doing here in this world. We all know that the revolution was met with all kinds of uh, counter misnagdim. They called themselves misnagdim to the point where they went to the government, to the point where the Alter Rebbe was imprisoned. And that's what we're celebrating today. The, the free, that Chag HaGaula, all of this was, I, I look, the way I look at it is how the Alter Rebbe was laying the groundwork, laying the groundwork for the bigger picture. We look at this world 
And we think, hey, you know, there are trees, there are mountains, there's beauty, there's stress, there's happiness, there's sadness, there's sickness. And we look at this world that that's the reality. What we don't understand is that the reality, this world is iron, this world is but nothing. The reality is Eibishter. So when the Alter Rebbe taught that reality, it was a revolution. What do you mean that you're telling us that it's all about the Eibishter and it's not about my Steigen? The Rebbe, years later, brought that concept a little bit further, much further. So if we take a look at this week's parsha, um, and we see the Rebbe divides the different kufas, and he says that the kufa of Vayeshev Yaakov Be'eret Megure Aviv, that is the kufa of the Alter Rebbe establishing Hasidus and making it Vayeshev. So Zitzen here in the Velt. Then we have Eile Tarevus Yaakov Yosef, and the Rebbe says this is Yosef coming to America, the Friede Karebbe, making it more available, making Hasidus more feasible, reachable. And finally, the Rebbe says, Paratzta Alecha Peretz. And this is the birth of Peretz, the birth of Mashiach. And the, and the Rebbe says that the 40 years that Rebbe talks about his 40 years, this is the 40 years of where we're, um, where we're living and feeling and seeing and activating. But even in the Rebbe's years, it did not come without a revolution, I mean, a, a, a fight, or his nagdus. Tavshin Yud, Tavshin Yud Aleph. The Rebbe came with revolutionary ideas. Where everybody's post-Holocaust, everybody is, is tired from everything that's going on in this world. The world is so dark, and the Rebbe sees with clear glasses. And he lays it out very, very flat. He lays out a foundation. When you build a building, you don't understand why the foundation is so important, and you don't see where the foundation is going and what the design is and how you're building and what's going to be, but the foundation the Rebbe laid out in the very, very beginning. And then he continues systematically sending out shluchim, the first 15 shluchim, 1950 to 1960, with opposition, opposition mibifnim, opposition from Eltere Hasidim that didn't understand, what he, what's he doing? Why is he sending people out? Why, what, what's going on? And slowly, another, the first Mifzah, Mifzah Tfilin, putting on Tfilin on, 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 on sinners, on people that, that are Michal Shabbos, it was met with opposition by the Velt, by the Fruma Velt. And then slowly, the Rebbe is patiently building a systematically one floor, another floor, the 10 Mifzayim, the 12 Psukim, the massive parades, the public menorah lighting, sending out shluchim all over the world and reaching in every corner. And so the Rebbe was trained, is, is training us how to change that mindset. We can no longer drive by horse and buggy. We need to start going via railroad. And today it's fast paced. We need to use everything that modern technology has and spread and boom and learn. So how do we change one mindset to another mindset? 
The Rebbe says it clearly. The Rebbe said it right in Parshas Tazriya, Mitzvah Tavshinun Aleph. He said, "Enough learning. The only way is to learn. When you learn, you change your whole your whole mindset." And then the Rebbe says in Parshas Bolok, "I see as sishver." Mention how much shverekaitem they have difficulties learning begin Mashiach. It's it's difficult, but the Rebbe says that the only way that we can change our mindset, get rid of the horse and buggy, and go on the faster pace on the road of Mashiach is if we learn, learn, learn. And I can tell you that learning, I mean, if you really want a person to change, the only way is that it should internalize. And internalizing is by learning. So is there a difference? There's a huge difference. The Alter Rebbe laid down a platform, possibilities, and throughout the years, the possibilities grew. The Rabbeim expanded on those possibilities. And the Rebbe, the Rebbe Marash expanded further by, by calling out which is also a revolution. What do you mean What does it mean to go against the uh, against the normal road? to jump over right away. That was another mind-blowing revolution. Comes Rebbe Rashab and he says, yeshivas, yeshivas have plenty, but a yeshiva that's nearest Lahoyer, that's revolutionary. And that's something different that we don't have. You know, Aleph teach Aleph. Comes the Friedrich Rebbe and says, hey, this revolution has to be for women too. We have to speak their language. We have to, uh, we have to teach them, to empower them to teach. And the Friedrich Rebbe took time himself to learn with women. And then again, when, when the Friedrich Rebbe came to America and the Rebbe continued on that road, we've, we've grown by leaps and bounds. And I asked myself, like, you know, now with the Tut Alts uh, organization, what happened here? Like what happened in the last 30 years? That, you know, since the Rebbe said, what is happening here? And the only answer I can say is that the Shaifer Heilech of Omeisif, that the Rebbe is the Shaifer, and the Rebbe's words are now louder and clearer than ever. And have so much, we, we read the Sikhs and reread the Sikhs and internalize them. And the world, we see what's going on with the world. Dini mentioned COVID. COVID broke a lot of the clippers and made everybody stop, think. And I think it made us as shluchais, as, as women, as, as, as teachers, realize that we just have to do what the Rebbe says, teach Mashiach and the people will listen. And the world is a keli. And so it's just, the Rebbe kept saying, open up your eyes, open up your eyes. The Rebbe spoke such language, the Rebbe saw it crystal clear. We were still blinded. We tried. And we weren't, we weren't steady doing nothing. We tried, we tried, we tried. But it cannot just be a few cities using the railroad. It has to be that the world is on that mode. Mashiach, 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 through learning, through living, and through acting. Mashiach. So true, absolutely. And what you said, is, and you talk about all these revolutionary concepts. I mean, the fact that here we are, you know, uh, several hundred women strong, 
gathering to be inspired to continue that whole mode of learning, the Rebbe, no question, empowered us, empowered women specifically. I mean, and to, to be able to be not just mothers, right, but in, incredible teachers and role models to bring this message to the world. Um, so I, I would like to mention here, so the um, Tut Alt campaign, what they have done for us, Sarah mentioned, right, so eloquently and so importantly, how the learning is so critical to living that Mashiach mindset and making it a reality. They've prepared on their website, which is in the chat box, tutalts.com, stichas from Tavshanun Beis from 30 years ago, when the Rebbe spoke and taught us and, and encouraged us. And there are sikhas and there's um, content that is really relevant to everyone. Men, women is a special website for children. So let's take this message of learning and let's create our learning groups or learn independently or learn with your families. And, and let's, let, let's continue learning and grow stronger. So Sarah, I have another question for you. You know, being that we're, we're still in Gullis, right? So there are times that we still see things through our, our Gullis eyes, being that we're still here in that Gullis mentality and the Gullis orientation. So if you can share with us, if you have an example of perhaps a time that, you know, you did something, you came across something and you responded and reacted with like the Gullis eyes and how you shifted to the Gula site and the Gula eyes. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you have. <laughs> well, I can say right now, like I said, right before I was going on, I felt like a pain in my hand. And it was like, I said, what's going on? Like, I'm not this like timid little girl, but I said, it's such an awesome responsibility and I'm not cut out for this. You know, I'm working on my Mashiach mode um, mindset, my Mashiach mindset. And, um, you know, so I said to myself, okay, so now I have to go shift Gauladik and take, make, make sure my hands don't shake, make sure that the, like, what am I like? You know, that's and nobody else. But something, um, Rifki, <laughs> forgive me, I'm going to share something personal. That's but, okay. Um, but, but, sorry, could you just, um, if you use Yiddish or Hebrew words, could you just translate them, please, for all of us? Okay. Thank you. Okay. Um, so, um, very recently, um, we had a, an, I had an experience, uh, an experience that was quite painful and, um, it was, my husband was somewhere, he was giving a talk. It, do, it doesn't really matter the details. It was just that, um, what should I tell you that, um, it was a humiliation that happened. Um, he was humiliated and in turn, you know, so was I and um, perhaps my family. And um, it was very, very, very painful. And um, it was like, there was a few different feelings that came through. Um, there were tears, there was some anger, there was a lot of hurt. And um, I watched my husband walk away from it, sit. He was probably stun shocked, stunned. I watched the children, their behaviors, their pain. And um, I had to deal with 
a lot of a lot of pain after, and I didn't know how. And I was I was angry. I was upset. I I, I just I, I didn't feel validated. I didn't feel like anybody stood up for me. And um, it was a lot a lot about I the I the I was hurt. The ego was hurt. And um, I remember my, my and my husband's first reaction is you know that. Sometimes you need a bitush. You, you you need that. It's good. It's 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 to ward off bigger things. And and you know he took it standing up. But I needed to look much much deeper. And since COVID, I always gave, I gave a tiny class for the last ten years, once a week, and we had a group of women that would show up. Um, but when COVID had us stuck in the house every day, and I, you know, it made us think that people have nothing to do. And fr quite frankly, I didn't have much to do. My Chabad house was closed. We weren't allowed in our Chabad house. We were hardly allowed to be out of the house. So we got to be useful. And there is this wonderful new, you know, innov in, um, innovation called Zoom. And so I thought that why do I have to give the class only on Mondays? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And I saw that I'm having a crowd and I have to learn and we advanced. And um, I remember the first time we started daily, I was up to ready um, Periclam and Zion. And from, we, 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 we finished all 53 chapters and then we went to, um, we, we went further. And today we finished, just today we finished Yikaris Tshuva, chapter 12, and we're gonna start Yikaris HaKadosh. But when this happened, this episode, where I was up to in Gerasa was all about this concept of when somebody angers you, when somebody hurts you, and how you're supposed to. And look at the Abishta, the Abishta three times a day. Um, we say, I'll hate, and we say, we say, uh, um, um, I'll, um, and the Abishta is quick to, to, to forgive us so quickly that we even make a bracha that the, the Abish is marvelous laya. And we say to ourselves, what are we, a bunch of idiots that three times a day we're asking Hashem to forgive us and three times a day the Abish nicely forgives us. What is all this? Is it a bracha levatola? No, because we really feel at that moment that we're asking for forgiveness and we really mean it. And so the Abish sees that. And so um, the the, the Rebbe goes into detail and says, we should take it to our personal life that just like the Abish is has patience and understands that we can make mistakes. So we should understand that sometimes things happen in our lives and it could be a, a circumstance, a mistake, a situation. And, and this is what had to be, and it's a practice. And so I started shifting that mode and it was healing, teaching what the Alter Rebbe said, and then going in further and learning about how to be, how to accept every situation in your life. So to me, I was, I'm, I'm today embarrassed that I was in such a gullus mindset that it was all, I think gullus mindset is seeing everything, everything with dark glasses, everybody's against me, everybody hates me, everybody, and then switching shifts and say, hey, you had to go through this. It's Mehashem Yotza Hadavar. It's not, it's, it's not about you. This is, and saying that's, that's Geulatik, that every stage, every step, every moment is, is building 
a different, like we have, we're, every minute that we live is living towards clarity. And clarity is putting on the Rebbe's glasses, putting, which in turn is the Abish's glasses, seeing a different world, seeing a more, a world where we are forgiving, where we're kind, where we're patient, where we are, it's not about I, it's about what I need to do. It's what, uh, what, what is demanded of me right now, where there's, there's that, that, um, concept Mashiach perched on my shoulder saying, Sarah, today, today, it has to happen today. What are you doing today to bring Mashiach now? So that's on a personal note. But I can also say on another personal note where younger children, um, pure children, their, their minds are, so I can think about my son that was four years old. It was a Shabbos. And he's not, I'm in the bathroom and he's knocking on the door screaming. And, 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 and I say, what do you want? I just want to finish the, you know, I'm in the bathroom. He says, I need to know something. I said, what do you need to know? I need to know what is the weather in Israel? I said, why? He says, well, my Rebbe, my teacher, he must've been five already was his Rebbe told him that, you know, Mashiach can come any second, any minute. And if it's summer, I want to put on a short sleeve Shabbos shirt. And if it's winter, I'll put on a long sleeve. I need to know what's going on in Israel now. So to me, that was a story that is, you know, this is a child that was born 10 days after Gimel Tamas. Um, and, but the purity that these Kindalach are living. And I can say that, um, we as as a shluchim shluchais, we have a mission to to continue being the shayfer and to give over everything the Rebbe wants. So when I saw yesterday at the Yutes Kislev Fabrengen that 240 people physically came out as our first um, dinner since COVID, and who came? Every table was has a different story, but it was an accumulation of people that started studying Tanya in the last two years. So they felt it was their simcha. They, they were able to live with it, and to, to experience it and, and wish each other a good yontif and understand what it means that it's a haka And there's one man that is, he's, he's still struggling with Shmir Shabbos, but he comes to Tanya class and he says, every time he comes home, he cannot be the same person. And he's working through the Tanya, he's working on being a better spouse and having more shalom bias. He says, it's like, it's, it's, it's life altering, life changing, and it makes us live differently with a different mindset and a more Mashiach mindset. So again, it's all about learn, learn, learn. We, there's so much to learn. And you know, when you, the, the, every sicha, you look at, at, at Parshas Vayeshev Nun Aleph, you look at Parshas Vayeshev Nun it's all Mashiach. It's, it's just, and, and it's the same Parsha, but we're li- like, we, we're living with the Parsha with Mashiach now. Beautiful. I guess it's time for us to also maybe clean our glasses. <laughs> Amazing, the sincerity of children. That's just such a great story. So Sarah, with that, thank you very much. Thank you for giving us some clarity on that. And you just mentioned how the Rebbe gave sikhas of Parchas Vayeshev and Aleph and Nunbez. We will now watch a short video clip about the sikha of Parchas Vayeshev, Tavshin Nunbez, 57-52.
The march on Washington for jobs and freedom is one of the most historic days in the nation's history. Live out the true meaning of its creed, that all men are created equal. The flower people, the hippies call themselves, as opposed to the square or straight society. Okay, so now for an explanation, um, Rifki, we are looking forward to hearing from you now. <laughs> um, and we're hoping that you can give us some insight based on the Sikha Parsha Svayeshev 5752, current Parsha that we'll be reading this week again in Shul. We're studying it all week. The Sikha that the Rebbe gave 30 years ago. If you can just share with us, how does a woman in 2021 based on all of that, shift into this Mashiach mindset. And we will, we have, Rifki, if you can unmute yourself so we can hear you. <laughs> Thank I you. I was trying, I was trying. <laughs> we just have to open our eyes, open that, click that mute button, right? So we yep. can be heard. Yeah. So in that Sikha, the Rebbe describes, um, among other things, the difference between the time of the Alter Rebbe and the time that we're living in now. And um, if I could just kind of um, recap in, 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 my, in my own words, I would say that, um, as I said earlier, that Golis is about fragmentation. It's about things being put in different boxes or... Um, compartments. And one of the things that had to happen at times al is that the world had to be kind of kept at bay. If anything, it was an avayda of superimposing a new truth over the world. And the al taught us, taught people how to believe in Hashem. For real. Now, I understand that Avram Avinu did this, but the Alter Rebbe made it real. Imagine if you were snorkeling and you happen to overhear two fish in discussion, and one fish says to the other, Hey, I'm wondering, what do you think? Do you believe in water? And the other fish says, So interesting that you should ask because just last night at the dinner party, at the dinner table, our family was discussing this because. 
our great grandparents used to believe in water. And then our grandparents kind of also held on to that idea. But my parents completely discounted that idea. But I've been thinking that, yeah, I think water really is a thing. And you're swimming next to these fish and you're like, what, what are they smoking? Like they're, they're, they're swimming in water. And I think that this idea that that we're all swimming in godliness, we're all swimming in elokus, that the Altrebbe was able to, to concretize. And along with that, the inherent connection that every Jew, that every Yid has a connection to this only entity by virtue of the fact that they have within them an aspect of this entity, their neshama, their soul, their essence, their atmos. But this was a, an Avaida, this was, this, was, this was a process. And the world had to kind of be, be kept at bay, like I said earlier, because it seemed to threaten this idea that was only gaining steam and currency. The Rebbe, on the other hand, taught us little by little how to believe in ourselves. In painstaking fashion, he made real the idea of an ashama being a chelik eloka, an actual, a veritable aspect of God not as some type of philosophical, theological construct, but as the plainest fact of life. So in that sikha, the Rebbe speaks about how the Alter Rebbe understood Napoleon to be contra to everything that Jews needed in order to remain Jewish at that time. Whereas in our age, the world is not our enemy, the world is not a danger. It is the arena. It is the chosen arena of our overtures. Monday night, I was singing Pada B'Shalom with some friends. And we sang the iconic words, Va'ani Eftach Bach, I believe in you. And we sang that over and over and over again. And of course, those words as written by David and Melech, by King David, mean, and I believe in you, meaning the Jew is saying to God, I believe in you. And all of a sudden, it hit me, and I hope this is not a radical, that those words, those are actually the words that are the soundtrack of the Rebbe's leadership. I believe in each one of you. You. I have a good friend that often refers to herself as a civilian. She means this, that vis-a-vis Hasidim, ultra-Orthodox people, observant people, rabbis, shulchim, she's just a civilian. But I think the Rebbe really did away with all of those differences. He believed in each and every one of us, bar none. For our Rebbe, there was no soft bias of lower expectation. It was clear to him that every Jew craved godliness and that each one of us was capable of so much more than we understood ourselves to be. And that each place, each culture, each language, 
each innovation in technology, in the sciences, in medicine, each opportunity was saturated with holiness that was simply awaiting to be tapped into. And that's what the Rebbe's initial statement, his mission statement, Basti Lagani is all about, recognizing that this world is inherently holy and that what we must do is uncover that incontrivable fact, the fact of the godliness that pulsates right beneath the veneer, right beneath the facade. And as time progressed, the Rebbe unfurled this audaciously radical agenda, making more and more obvious. And just as I started worrying that it was too heretical to say this, I realized that it's not, it's not heretical at all. Because if you believe that this is what the Abishra, this is what the creator of heaven and earth implicitly said 5,782 years ago when creating the universe, implicitly saying to us, make for me a dwelling place in this seemingly lowly universe. So clearly, God believed we could do it. The Rebbe just showed us how. And he told us that the time is now, like really now, like there's no possibility for distraction because there's no more diffusion. There's no more three ring circus. There's only one ring. And instead of trying to put an overlay over the world, we simply have to believe in its inherent holiness and goodness and the intrinsic goodness and holiness and readiness of each and every person to be joined in this venture. And uh, in the spirit of, of sharing on a more personal level, I'll say that, uh, you know, for some years now, I have been cooking for lots of people. And I must confess that cooking is uh, certainly not one of my favorite things to do. However, I, I do see the kitchen as a classroom, and I do recognize that it presents an opportunity for me to connect and form relationships that I might not be able to form in another type of classroom. And for years and years and years, although this thought would always flit, you know, through my brain and was, was on my radar, that you know, have students coming in and they're being so kind and they're they're volunteering their time, and we're making this food for people to eat on Shabbos or Yom Tov or at some kind of event. So the whole idea of this food is to create community, is to create holy opportunities, and people are touching this food and they haven't necessarily washed nikkelvaser, and but that's probably not a great thing. But in my more gullus mentality, um, I just couldn't, I just couldn't see myself asking students to do, to wash Negeva. So I just thought they're going to think this is weird. They're going to feel judged. They're going, it's going to, you know, underscore all of their fears and hesitations about us being ultra-Orthodox and fanatic and so on and so forth. And I should just let everybody just kind of live and breathe and people will learn about Negevasar in due time and that there is an order and there's a way in which we do things and so on and so forth. And I don't know, I can't remember exactly when, but a few years ago, all of a sudden I, it, it hit me like this, this is just completely 
counterintuitive. It makes no sense. We're only cooking this food and cutting this salad and whatever else just, just to create a deer b'tachtainim. And so I uh, overcame my, and, and you, a lot of you know me, I think I see who's on. So you know me personally, you know, I'm not particularly shy, but for whatever reason, I just had this, I had this um, blockage and I had to overcome this. And I just started asking the people who help in the kitchen to wash Negevasser, to give some tzedakah. Um, and for me, as silly as this might think, as this might seem to somebody else, and, and that's okay. Um, for me, like that's part of the process of, of living with a more Mashiach mindset. You know, that it's not just like, okay, now I'm going to give a class. So now I'm going to be imparting holiness or we're going to be, you know, doing this mitzvah now. So that's, no, it's just, it has to be part and parcel of everything. And when we own it and we are more comfortable with it and we're able to say, my dear friend, really, I would be, I would be selling you short. I would be doing you a disservice if I don't just teach you about this and ask you to do this. Um, I, I think that what the Rebbe is telling us is the world is a lot more ready than we imagine. And we just have to get over ourselves, or at least I have to get over myself. Caitlin. Uh, Rifki, thank you for sharing that. You know, I'm, I'm giggling here because... <laughs> The fact that you shared that story, um, it reminds me of quite a few years ago, must have been probably 16 years ago, my sister Rifki Lipster moved on Shluchas, Chabad on campus to Chabad of UCF in Orlando. And that first Pesach, they were very fortunate. A few family members came because my sister was having a baby, talk about, you know, those birth. And my grandparents, my Bobby and Zadie Katie, Kazan joined for that Yantiv. So you talk about how we're so apprehensive and we're careful and living that Mashiach mindset. You talk about the Negevasser, you can imagine my Bubby Shola, the second the girls walked into the kitchen without blinking, she got them all to the sink before they picked up any knife or peeler. She said, beautiful girls, we're gonna wash our hands, <laughs> not just with soap and water, but for Negevasser. And you know, you really, you hit it on the nail. It's exactly the point. It's we, it's, it's, it's that mindset of when we know things are right, we just do it immediately. Of course, I mean, we each do it with our own style and that was my Bobby Shilla style, but such a, a beautiful lesson. Um, and, and thank well, you we, for sharing We got a channel the Bobby Shilla. <laughs> got to find her. Well, <laughs> but you know what? People accept it. And it's exactly that same point. When, you know, Mashiach, when the whole topic of when the Rebbe brought Mashiach to the forefront, Right, it was a Lubavitch topic. It's it's a, a Yiddish guy topic. It's the fundamentals of who we are. Um, so thank you. Really, it really hits home, and and the messages are so practical and things that we can implement. So before we conclude, just wanted to see Sarah Rifki if you have anything else that you'd like to add, a thought or a message um, before we conclude this program. Anything else for tonight? I want to say sure, one more thing that in that sicha in uh, Tavshunon Beis, the Rebbe suggests 
that um, when he tells a story between Napoleon, the difference that the Alter Rebbe ran from Napoleon, left, uh, you know, left the uh, idea, I think, and, um, and he was praying that Napoleon should not succeed because if Napoleon does succeed, then yes, the world is going to be more successful financially, the Jews will be more successful, but what's going to be with their Yiddishkeit? Whereas the Rebbe um, took the same France and was not afraid and went down to the Tachlan. The Rebbe says in the Sikha that um, it's a whole different mindset. The Rebbe was saying that something changed. Yes, so you say the same question of, of um, Hasidus versus Geula. Hasidus was laying down the, you know, the foundation, but the Rebbe suggests that when we go to our own cities, we should adopt the culture which is a very, it's like mind-blowing. Heather Rebbe says we should speak the language, um, give that kind of food they need, speak, speak the way every city, every country has different needs. And if we can adopt the Mashiach messages and lessons and mindsets based on their culture, then, then every, what the Rebbe is saying is that every Pina Nidachas has to be reached. And we're at that point now where every corner is reached, and, you know, and, and the shluchim and shluchim are learning the language and are adopting and, um, you know, giving every single Jew the opportunity to be able to study and be on that Mashiach mindset. And one more thought, which is also from Vayeshev Tavshin Nun Aleph, where the Rebbe quotes a medrash and just to understand what is happening, because like Rifki said, it all from the beginning, it's nothing new. It's like from Barashas Bar Kim. this is the goal. This is what the, what the Abishtim wanted. He wanted to bring back, you know, the world has, has to be, uh, there has to be that Messianic era. So the Rebbe quotes a Medrash and he says, it's talking about Yehuda on his way to meet Tamar. And he says that everybody was different with their own business. Rabbi, um, so he says like this, um, the Shvatim were busy selling Yosef. Yehuda was busy looking for a wife. And what was the Abishta busy with? The Abishta was busy making sure that there should be a, a, a parrot and, and that the Irish Mashiach should be born. So this is what's happening now. The whole world is busy, 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 COVID vaccine, yes vaccine, no vaccine, anti-vaxxers, third vaccine, fifth wave. Everybody's busy, busy, busy with trying to figure out this, there's a huge balagan. That's what was happening then in this parsha. there was a balagan. And the English is busy revealing the arm of Mashiach. And so this is what's happening at this point, that this is what the Abish is, is focused and the Rebbe is definitely focused and we have to be focused because we have to realize that all of this is just, you know, the world is busy with little things, but it's, but one by one, the whole world is being fragmented and uh, the, the, the Abish is showing how he's breaking everything down for us and nothing makes sense anymore and nothing has value anymore. And the only value and the only Thing that's reliable is Mashiach Tzedkeno. Amen. Rifki? Dini, you should never ask Sturmberg girls if they have one more thing to say. <laughs> I'll give you two minutes. <laughs> We're good. Um, We're good for time. It's okay. Okay. I, you know, I would say this. You know how um, in the iconic um, mimer, right, that we've been referencing, Basilagani, the Rebbe's mission statement, um, so there, 
the Rebbe includes a, a story about each one of the Lubavitcher Nisim, of the, of the Lubavitcher leaders, Lubavitcher Rebbe's. And so it would seem, simply speaking, that there's no story about him because he's not going to tell a story about himself. So he tells a story, each, a story about each one of his predecessors. And, and the, the running theme in all of those stories is how this great, great leader would put aside all of the more important things, seemingly, to tend to the needs of one person. But if you think about it, if let's say somebody asked us to, to bring, what, what story would we choose of our Rebbe to put in that series? I don't think anybody would be able to choose a story because it would hit us like a, a, like a two by four between your eyes that that's, that is the story that there is nobody who is small. There is no place that is beyond the pale. There is no situation that is insignificant. There is no place that is too far. There is nothing that could fall into the category of Shtustikitusha because the whole wide world is saturated with Krishna, with holiness. There's, there's nothing that falls into that category. And I think that's, that's I think what we're trying to talk about tonight, there, there, there's no more compartments. There are no more categories. There are no more, you know, one day versus another, or one person versus, versus another. It's all of one cloth. We're, we're, we're fixated. And we're going to own our fixation on, on this one goal and on uncovering the truth that has, you know, that has been lying right beneath the surface and the Rebbe is saying, it's right there. It's right there. It's right there. Yes, it is. Amen. So we should see it with our, with our physical eyes and be able Amen. to all dance to the Gaula together. Let's get our tambourines ready. <laughs> well, they're ready. They're ready. Let's just, you know, we'll make sure they're in our purse every single day. I always think about the, those women when they left Mitzrayim. Imagine schlepping with their children and the cattle and everything and their tambourine was in their, was in their pocketbook. They were ready. Um, so thank you. Thank you once again. Thank you, Sarah, and thank you, Rifki, for really sharing um, a lot of depth, a lot of understanding, you, a lot of insight. Thank you. It's been a, yeah. such an honor and a pleasure. We can go on all night. This is really wonderful, but I'm sure people have uh, other things on their schedules. Uh, but I do, before we conclude. There is no other thing. That no was other thing. Point. Yeah, well, maybe like children to put to bed, you know, like those are also ways of bringing Mashiach. We know that healthy children. <laughs> But those who don't, stay on, stay on all night. No problem. That's good. Um, uh, but I do want to conclude and mention just a few very important things. First of all, a very special thank you to the staff at the Mashiach office at Suite 302. What you are doing is truly remarkable. Rabbi and Mrs. Naparstik, thank you. You're, I mean, you put your heart and soul into this, and you've really given us so much, I mean, tools and learning materials, and we really appreciate everything that, that, um, that the staff at that office is doing on behalf of all of Claudius role. So thank you very much. And I would like to mention tonight, we referenced quite a few times the Sikha of um, Parshas Vayeshev, right? In 5752, Tafshin Nun Well, I have good news for you. On the tutalt.com website, there is on the second segment, our, our, um, there's a lot of information and studying materials based on those Sikhas. And I was just informed that it's live. So let's remember that 
we always have to have a, there's a halakha taiva that has to come from every chassidosh for bringing. So tonight, let's all think about what we can do, or today, wherever you might be in the world, morning, afternoon, or evening, boundaries have completely fallen, and we are all, we're literally on one time zone, we can always be together, but you can log on to that website right now, register for yourself, for your family, for your friends. We gave many different suggestions of how you can go about learning all this material. Let's take on the Sakhlata till Yid Aleph Nissen. Let's give the Rebbe a beautiful birthday present, but most importantly, let's, let's greet Mashiach Tzitkenu. Um, and as a follow-up to this wonderful gathering that we had with two wonderful sisters, there is another event happening with two brothers on Matzei Shabbos, the Tau brothers, and you're very welcome to, to join and participate and share with your family members. So once again, good yantiv, and may we all be zaychet to, as Rebbe always said, b'nareinu, b'skeneinu, b'vaneinu, b'vneiseinu, may we merit the gu'ula, amitis fa'ashleima, take it from me, Amen. Amen. Good yantiv, good yantiv. Good yantiv, everyone.